0: I'm going to specifically ask the Holy Spirit to be at the back of the venue as well as the front today. I think it is called for, so yeah, keep going, keep moving. That was a joke, yes Livy. You you were at the back of the venue which made it seem more serious. Yeah, yeah, another joke, yes, another joke. I only when I, I only get serious when we actually start. I used up all my two jokes earlier. If you were at the beginning of this week, you will know the only two jokes I know in the world. How many of you didn't come to the first session just raise your hand right then 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 I will tell these two jokes again because they're well worth telling okay okay I know two jokes in life this is the first one and they are linked if you've heard it before you can't say anything what do you call this think about it think about it what do you call this it's an engineer an engineer it's an engineer you get it, right? Thank you. Thank you. Stay with you just got it. You just got it. I like that. Stay with it, okay? I only know two jokes and they're linked. If that's an engineer, then what's this? What am I doing? A motorist who said that. Yes. Well done you. It's a motorist, okay? I know that you will tell me those jokes are the worst dad jokes I've ever heard. However, you will repeat those jokes because they are easy to remember. You will repeat them. I guarantee you, you will repeat them because they're easy to remember. Okay, cool. <laughs> I, think, um, I think we've probably left enough time for the, um, for the toilets to have cleared. I- Shall we start early? I think we might need to buy some extra time. So what would you like to do? Yeah, I think some more people are probably going to come in. So, just maybe let's try and leave a little bit of space at the back, is the key. We don't, we don't want people to come into that corner and then feel like there's no space. So, maybe we can do the bum shuffle thing on this side and fill up some of the space there. And then, yeah. I think. I, um, just for a video.
1: That's it. I'm
0: going to show you one video. I know it's the end of the week, so we're pulling out all our best video clips as well. The good, good thing about this is that we can't lay down and go to sleep because we're all packed in and we're really tight. The bad thing is it will get hot. Um, okay. We'll just settle, just make a little bit of space. Brilliant. Um, clearly, the topic has got a lot of interest. There's a lot of you in the room. Um, and, uh, and, and this is the fifth part of a, or the fourth, fourth or the fifth part, fifth. I'm confused as to what day it is, the fifth part of a mission series that we've been doing. So I'd encourage you to kind of go back. There's a deliberate flow to these talks about the church, about evangelism, about embracing the poor, about going to the nations. And the, the kind of one of the common threads in those is people and the practitioners we've had up here have all been people that have probably at some point in their story articulated, I heard from God. I heard from God and I did this. I heard from God and I did that. I I, I want to just qualify that with one thing first before I encapsulate all of this. It was because I was captured with who God was. It was because I was captured with the glory of the gospel. It was because I was captured by the idea of the kingdom of God. It was because I was captured by the glory of his church. It was because I understood that the psalmist says, my life is like grass. That I wanted, it was because out of a response to grace that I wanted to offer my life back to God and say use me Lord. It wasn't because I was so great, uh, I I needed to have an individual calling for myself. I needed to know exactly what my life could do. My life on one hand is absolutely like grass. I will be here today, I will be gone tomorrow. In the grand scheme of the universe, I am very, very small. In fact, I'm five foot six and a half. In the grand scheme of anywhere, I'm very, very small. Right? But my, my life is, it, I want you to get that context, right? Because when we've got that context, we know without a shadow of a doubt that every single person in this room is called to the kingdom of God. Every single person in this room is called to God's work and God's kingdom. It is written, it is written that we are wrapped up in the grand scheme of things. Sometimes if we start with us, we start in the wrong place. We don't start with us and say, what is it you've got for me, God? What is it you've got for me to make a unique contribution to the earth? We start with him and say, God, you've done an amazing thing on this earth. You are about an amazing work through your church. You have poured on me such abundant grace that my response to that is to offer my life back to you in worship. So the response of me wanting to know what I'm called is actually just saying, God, I want to give you everything in worship. I have nothing. I have absolutely nothing, God. But your word encourages me to offer my life back to you as an offering. So for all of us, there is a sense of call. It's not as though, um, and Livy put it nicely yesterday, with all respect, with all of you that are in this room, it is not going to be possible for Livy and I to, to come and lay hands on all of you. And in fact, there's nothing special about Livy and I. Absolutely nothing special about us. There's a sense when we go through this that we are all called. We are all called to this kingdom work. I want to also tell you that there's no glorifying by the fact that I've been given a microphone or that we have platforms. Some of the most amazing servants who are called to the kingdom of God are totally unknown. This side of heaven, they are unknown. We do not know who they are. We have not heard of them. We have not heard of of, of who they were. We will not know of the work that they've done. They have buried that call into total total unknownness. Glorious, they are wonderfully unknown. This isn't about living a life that would make a great Instagram story. My life doesn't make a great Instagram story. It really doesn't. The majority of my life is mundane ordinariness, mundane faithfulness to the things of God and my family and the mission that God has called me to be on. Mundane. Don't be caught out when you hear our stories, especially when you hear some of my story. Do not be caught out in thinking I live on some different planet. I really don't. I live in a mundane ordinariness. I'm knackered. It's the last day of New Day. If I wasn't speaking, I'd be laying on my back and trying to catch some sleep. I respect the fact that you're not. I know it's... Do you get what I'm trying to say? What I'm trying to... It's all about God. It's all about God. That's our starting point with this call. And now I'm preaching and not teaching you my, through my story. Um, so, But it's only 11.31. So welcome to the seminar. That was the preamble. Now we're coming into the to, to the main... <laughs> to the talk. That's actually the main bit. If I could stop there, I would. And I'd just say to you, let's open the scriptures. Let's see what's clear in God's call and God's mission. And let's get on with that. And let's get on with that. Let's go for it. So... so um, I, I had this frustration. I had this frustration when, when, I, when I began seeking God's face. And, uh, and my frustration was this, that I read the scriptures a lot, but there seemed to be a gap in between what I would read and what I would teach and what I would live. And it, honestly, I was in Christian leadership. I was working for a church. It, wasn't, it, it wouldn't have been evident to you that there was a gap, but there was a growing conviction in my heart that God, I want to somehow live up to what I'm reading in the scriptures. I want to live a life that counts. I want to live a life that embraces the call of God and will be radical. And I want to, Lord, where do I start? Where do I start? And I kept coming back to the scripture and I kept reading them. I said, where do I start, Lord? Where do I start in understanding your call for my life? What is next, God? What's the more? And do you know where I found myself? I found myself drawn into an intimate relationship in prayer with Jesus. That's the first foundation stone I want you to know. The story behind the story I'm going to share with you is Steve Morris sitting on his own in a prayer space, a lot like that prayer space over there, very interactive, undone by the gospel. Reading the scriptures, listening to worship music, crying sometimes. Other times, sitting bored. I'll be honest with you. Other times, I sat bored, not knowing how to pray. Desperately trying to learn to pray. Desperately trying to learn to pray. The disciples have the opportunity to to to, to ask Jesus uh, re- repeated questions. You know, what about this? What about that? What about this? And I don't read really. You may correct me, but I don't really read this sense of them them kind of desperately going, "What are we going to do?" There are arguments about what they're going to do. I understand that. But one of the beautiful things they asked Jesus is, teach me how to pray. Would you teach me how to pray? If you're hungry for God to use you, if you're hungry for a call of God to be released on your life and, and for you to, to feel as though you're really walking in the purposes of your God for your life, I would encourage you, the first thing to do is try to learn to pray. I don't think I've cracked it. I think I'm still apprenticing in learning how to pray. You would have found me just sitting quietly, asking God, trying to read his word, trying to understand it. And I think what prayer does, prayer brings you into this intimate place of not just talking about God, but talking to God. Do you ever think that we spend so much time talking about God? Spend so much of our time talking about God, what this might mean, what that might mean. Theorizing uh, uh, and theologizing around what things might mean. We spend a fraction of our time speaking to God. And God reversed that for me and he said, Steve, you've done a lot of talking about me. You've done a lot of talking about me. How about you do two things? One, you start talking to me and two, you start leaving space to listen. Some of you will have heard me just say, I think God wants to teach us how to be silent. I didn't just run up on the stage. I did in one hand. It wasn't planned at all. So I did just run up on the stage and say that. But what had been happening over the years, over the last 10 years of my life, is that God has been encouraging me to fall silent before him in prayer, just to sit. To sit where I'm comfortable now, and I can comfortably tell you, without feeling like a fraud, that I can sit for half an hour in silence before God, in total silence. If things come in my mind, practically what I'll do is just write them down, and then I'll deal with them afterwards. But I just want to be before Him. I just want to have a hunger for Him. If you, I think these two things are going to go hand in hand. If you want to understand the call of God in your life, you're gonna, you're gonna improve in that discipline of prayer in that coming alongside God in that partnering with God and then you understand his heart when you learn to pray the scriptures when you learn to 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 find a place to be silent before God you begin to understand his heart when you understand God's heart you begin to understand what he may be calling us out to so so just like in 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 absolute i had been to South Africa I'd been and visited some friends and um and actually Livy was part of the story I came back from South Africa and I went to the New Day um Uh, youth leaders retreat and I was really seeking God's face for what was next for us as a family and Livy was getting very frustrated with me I could see one evening so I wasn't really answering any questions she was asking me what you going to do I was I was evading all of the questions so I'm not really sure and she said if you had if you had I think a minute before God just to cry out and he was going to answer yes to everything you asked for everything you put before him if you just had one minute seated before God what would you ask him I just want to ask you now, if you had a minute before God, if you had an audience with Jesus, one minute, what would you lay before him? It will tell you a lot about you, what you go to first. Some of you are too smart for your own good. You'd say, Lord, I want you to give me five minutes. You said you'd give me anything. Some of you are too smart for your own good. Some of you are more selfish than you know. Because you'd completely keep, it would all be about you. That minute would all be about you. Some of us don't have a global perspective because it would all be about a certain area. That, uh, and, it, and it undid me a bit. That question undid me a bit. I didn't give her an answer. I, I thought, I don't know. Then I got in the car. I was really annoyed, actually. I wasn't annoyed at Livia, I was annoyed I didn't have an answer. And I, and I, and I, and I found my kids, um, my wife, everybody went to sleep in the car. And I found myself driving. And I said, God, if you gave me a minute audience with you, I'd want to do something about the poverty I just witnessed in Africa and specifically in South Africa, and specifically in, in an area called Fragrant. I said, God, what I've just seen, if you could give me a minute with you, I'd ask you, how do we solve this? How do we do something about it? Then that one idea, follow it back, do the backstory, I'd actually been and I'd seen something. I'd been about doing something. I'd been a youth worker for a long time. I'd been, and I think God can shape you even now in your passions and your desires, even the things you want to study for now. Even the, the, the way that God is, God is growing you now, your interests, what, what gets you excited? What gets you passionate? What gets you kind of, what would get you on your soapbox? What, if you cut you open, are you really, really going for? Will tell you something, not everything, but something about the way God is wiring you and what he is calling you to. When people pull it out of you, when others pull it out of you. This was somebody who had journeyed with us, only through New Dave. Uh, close but from afar in a weird way because we see each other in a depth when we come to these events but not in our lives outside of the events someone comes alongside you and asks you a provocative question the next thing I want to encourage is we didn't we didn't have a call to South Africa that we just figured out on our own We figured it out amongst the community of trusted people that are around us. The dynamics of this story, I'm giving you a lot of background and not just rush into the story. The story will be very short. I'll show you a video and it will capture it. But what happened was we started to bounce things off other people. One mistake you could make is just keeping everything to yourself and never seeking wise counsel. In the call of God, pray, discern God. Look at what you've been naturally gifted at. That's not a bad thing to do. Look at what you've got already in your hand. What have I got already in my hand? What am I studying? What am I passionate about? What do I enjoy? What kind of person am I? With all due respect, if you want to go and be an engineer, you're probably going to have to love maths. Does that make sense? If you're going to go and be an engineer in another nation, dig wells, do large engineering projects. I would probably expect you to be loving maths right now and good at maths. Does that make sense? Sometimes we've got to look at what's already in our hands. And what was in mine and my wife's hands was we were youth workers. We'd worked as youth workers in a church for a long time. I'd visited Africa a couple of times, but there was something specific about the area I'd been to, what God was doing amongst the young people. Can you see how that made some sense? God's call might not always make logical sense. There were other parts of our story that didn't make sense, and they were acts of faith. But that, to an extent, made sense. We'd gone to visit a project that was connected with our church already. It's very important that you understand that. We had been to visit a project that was already connected with our church. I don't want you at your age to become volunteer tourists. I don't want you to tour the world to become volunteers everywhere you can. And to fuel up your energy for mission just on one or two weeks. One or two weeks the next year. One or two weeks the next year. One or two weeks the next year. And that's your fix of mission. I don't want you to live like that. But I want you to understand that there are moments and windows of opportunity where your churches, I hope, or the ID internships, other things that you're connected with, will offer you an opportunity to go and see the world in a different way, or to go and reach a homeless project in your own town, or to go and see uh, a children um, in, your, in your own area, that, uh, in a kids club, or to go and, and, and be part of a work that your church is doing. And at the age you are, I would encourage you to take some of those opportunities and to be in the safe of your own church and relationship and go and test some of the call of God that might be on your life. Go and explore it in that, in, in those relationships with others. Go and be released to it uh, and, and, and be sent by it. And I'll, and I'll talk a little bit about releasing and, and sending. So later. So there was something brewing in my heart after that conversation. There was this sense of there's more for me in South Africa, than, there's more for my family, there's more of, than what's going on. And then I realized, actually, God had already positioned me to do something. God had already positioned me to be a youth leader at a youth event that needed to raise some money. Similarly, in the mor- this morning, you, you gave to church planting and Power the Fight. I thought, I actually lead at a youth event. Maybe I could ask the other team members to put some money together to dream of building an education center for the young people that were out in South Africa. Uh, and a work was already happening. Friends of ours had gone and started working with teenagers. In South Africa, 50% of teenagers will not finish their final exams. They will will exit high school. Most of the young people we work with exit high school, secondary school, at 14 years of age with no qualifications. Some have left after primary school. In the area where we work, it could be as high as 70% of students will not finish high school and will not matriculate. We were desperate to do something about that need. We'd captured God's heart for the poor. We'd captured God's heart for the nation. We'd captured God's heart that our church, that the church needed to do something on the ground here. And they had started a very simple response, which was an after school uh, homework club. I want to I speak into that in a second thing. Diana and I didn't need to do something new. We didn't feel the need to go out there and make something about us if somebody else was already doing something that we had a passion for, we said we'll partner with them. I don't want you to think this whole, this whole, this is about me. This has to be my call. This has to be my thing. I have to go and start something new. I don't want you, some of you are called to pioneer new things, but some of you are called to partner with existing things. We were called to humble ourselves and partner with other pioneers and help them together to achieve the more. So that may well be part of the call that is on your life. And we saw what they were doing and they were working in a a local, in in the township, in the heart of the township. They were working in a small community library and they dreamed of building their own building. So as I was there, uh, um, a combination of these ideas came came together. I went back to visit. I'd had that first visit. I, we'd taken a team back now. Uh, the encouragement of I think there's something in South Africa. I've got to go back quietly. I'd written in the prayer room, very quietly. Not many people know this about our story. I'd written on the wall, "God, please help us raise a quarter of a million pound for South Africa." I didn't tell anybody. Well, I quietly wrote in prayer an, aud- an audacious prayer on the wall of a prayer room. God, would you help us raise a quarter of a million pounds for South Africa and another country that I'm not going to name because it hasn't come to pass yet. I wrote it on that wall. And uh, a, 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 and then I sent and then we went back. We went back again. We took a team out again, and I shot a very small video on a on a on a, on a rickety phone um, with uh, using a cardboard as. I mean, this was low tech as low tech comes, right? We were using cardboard as a windbreaker, all right. And we were trying to do a shoot, and I'm there on this this. Uh, piece of ground that's arid uh, earth there's just sand we're in the middle of a township we had drunk people coming up and saying what you're doing in the middle of the things and disrupting us and I say I, th- I think we can build an education center here we need to raise th- 40,000 um, pounds what you can do at this youth event um, will really help us we can get this kick-started and I thought we'd raise about 1,500 pounds I then went home prayed about it prayed about the opportunity and I began to be frustrated I said God who can we meet that will, that will show us who can we meet that's a business person that has thousands of pounds that would invest in this dream. Who can we meet, Lord? Who can we meet? I would pray to God. Show me. I've seen all these testimonies about, you know, people meeting other people and they just pour into the kingdom. Show me who it can go to. And then I'll, I'll, you, I'll give you another way that God may speak or God may call. I was walking and I was praying and 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 I always struggled whether to tell people it was the audible voice of God or whether it's just this loud inner voice or I, I don't know in my honest heart heart of hearts I believe it was the audible voice of God I heard it so clearly I was just praying and I was walking God who can we meet who can we meet and I heard this one phrase just in my ear this one phrase your bank account first Steve your bank account first I want you to know that if you are called to something, if you feel there's a sense of that, don't underestimate that you need to be first in many instances. You need to step out. You need to, you need to believe in it so much that you're convinced of it. Don't go to others to make this thing happen all the time. Yes, there's help in partnership. I know some of the things I'm going to say sound very contradictory. But when you go to your church for help, make sure that you are prepared to be on the front line with it. If it's a kids club, you're going to be volunteering at the kids club. You're not just called to release something, you're going to be there. If it's youth work, you're going to be called to the seasons of youth work. If it's um, uh, studying to be a nurse and reform the NHS, then you're going to put in the hard work and read and study and, and go through those hard years of university to become a nurse. If it's a dream of being a teacher to reform our school system, then you're going to need to put yourself on the line and go and meet other teachers and go and do work experience and go in there. And that was God's way of challenging two things in my life one are you prepared to put yourself on the line are you prepared for this South African vision to involve you and your family and the second thing it challenged in my heart was my idol God went to the heart of my idol and let me tell you what my idol was my idol was a three-bedroom house in a place called Chafford 100 some of you have never heard of Chafford 100 so bizarre right it's an unknown small town in, the middle, in Essex, right by the Dartford Bridge. And here was what my thinking had become. My thinking was I love serving God. I love pioneering stuff. I love being part of God's kingdom. But what I really need to do at this phase of my life, I've got, I had one son at that stage. What I need to do is be able to sell my flat and buy a three-bedroom house. And Lord, when I've got a three-bedroom house, everything will be safe and secure. And then I will do ministry for you to the ends of the earth. problem with God is... It was, it, 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 it was the, but the, the house became the idol. The seeking of the house overrid the call of God that was on my life. So why does God say to me, your bank account first? Because two weeks before, the bank had had a special deal, and this is very boring, but interest rates were very high in one of our accounts that we owned. So we took our seven years worth of life savings that we were saving up for the house, and we put them into this one bank account that had a high interest rate. God was saying to me, The money that you've saved for the house first and then come back to me and let's talk about who else is going to give to this project. So I went home and I said to my wife, I think God's saying something tentatively. And I think this is what he's saying. And I laid it before my wife again for someone to double check and double click as we do on the computer. Double click. Is Is this right? What do you think? What do you think? We're not called to be renegades. We're called to do some of this discernment in safe community. I double clicked and I said, "I said, what do you what do you think? What do you think?" And my wife, my wife said to me, "Yeah, I think God's in it, Steve. I think that God is in it. I think we should privately commit to give all our money away." I I don't want to. I could tell the whole seminar. I would be telling you my story. I want to fast forward to give you the principles, and Livy's going to give us principles on how we hold the prophetic. It's very important. Then we want to pray. Want to pray that God would call you. Fast forward months, okay? I want to tell you the next thing. um, And it's a very personal thing. The next thing happened is we suffered. Doesn't make any sense, right? I committed to give all my money that I had in the world to the kingdom of God, to the mission of God. And the next thing that happened is my wife was pregnant and we lost a baby at three months. I don't cry because it still upsets me. I cry because of the goodness of God later. But I want you to know that... that I could that I still feel it acutely we suffered because I want you to know that when you hear these stories people often don't give you the backstory. I went that Sunday on the Friday they said you'll find out on Monday whether your baby has survived or whether you've lost your baby I had a weekend to kind of consider what I was going to do on Sunday I took my little boy to church I held him in my arms and I cried through every single worship song all I could do was stand And I thought, it's all right. God's going to do it. God's going to come through. God's going to break through. And on the Monday, we went and we were told shattering news that we'd lost a baby at three months. It caused me to understand deeply how closely suffering and hope are aligned. Caused me to understand how deeply suffering and hope are aligned. And it made me question my theology. Good things don't happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. My life was running a double track. I was seeing the blessing of God beyond all measure, and you'll see what happens in a moment. But I was also feeling suffering that I'd never, never seen before. I want you to know that sometimes when you suffer chasing the call that you're chasing, it's not time to just, it isn't the time to lay down the call. It's not time to lay down the call. It's time to dig a deeper well into God. God wanted me to dig deeply, deeply into him and his goodness and into, and, and into worship and into understanding who he was and into understanding some of the heart of others when they suffer and into understanding that we live in a broken world and I don't have any fancy answers for suffering and to understand that Jesus, God himself, suffered on a cross. When you're called to the kingdom of God, when you're called to kingdom purposes, you will encounter suffering of some form or not. You will see others, if not yourself, encountering something. You will have to walk with others who encounter deep suffering and questions. But it wasn't abstract to the call of God that was working in my life. Two weeks later after that, I go to speak at the youth event. Speaker drops out uh, from the event. And uh, and on the main stage, there's probably 6,000, 7,000 adults. It's a bit like New Day. It's a conference called New Wine. It's a little bit like New Day for adults. And they said to me, Steve, someone's dropped out of speaking on the main stage. Would you be prepared to speak? So sure, no problem. When he got a day's notice, a friend came up to me that night and spoke prophetically, spoke prophetically. Here's where the prophetic call of God can come in. He spoke prophetically to me, said, Steve, God would say to you tonight, consecrate yourself because tomorrow he's going to do great things amongst you. Prophetically came and spoke into my life. Don't be scared of the prophets coming amongst you and speaking into your life. Livy's going to speak on how to hold it, but don't be scared to allow people to come and speak into your life. Don't, don't be scared of that. I was very fearful when I was younger of God speaking or the, or the Spirit of God moving. Don't be fearful of hearing from God. Don't be fearful of other people speaking into your life. So that morning night, I didn't really know how to, how do you consecrate yourself? So I tell you what, I was about to speak to 7,000 people and God saying, consecrate yourself. I stayed awake a lot of that night, kneeling by my bed, Thinking of everything I've done wrong in my life and asking for God to forgive me. I really did. Just sat there and said, God, God, cleanse. Me. give me clean hands and a pure heart. Give me clean hands and a pure heart, God. And then that next day, I, I stood up on the stage and I, and I preached a sermon and, and, and preached about the church being a church for young people. And I really believe this, that um, lots of people, young people walk away from the church because they just believe it's hypocritical. They believe it didn't live up to what they read in the life of Jesus. And what they, and I said, one of the main reasons is because we're not serious about serving the poor. And I so just wanted them to understand that I was serious about it. That I said, I'm all in. My family's all in. My bank account is all in. God has told us to give all our money to this project. We weren't raising money for the project. We were just telling them what the youth were doing on that day. There was no call for money. There was no call for me. I was just saying my heart is all in. And this one lady came and put a 20-pound note on my feet. It's weird, right, when you're preaching. That is weird. So, what do you do? I look down, I said, Thank you very much. I'll put that in the offering, and then I carry on preaching. And then people start passing money over the back. So, from the back to the front, people are passing money, throwing it onto the stage. People start getting up, climbing over the seats, coming in, putting money, putting money. So, I'm preaching, they're giving money. It's getting really weird. I'm making inappropriate jokes. I'm trying to just keep preaching and they're trying to give me money and going so people give money give money the preach stops and again the, they say look this is what God's doing come and give money come and give money come and give money if you want to if you feel that's what you've been they filled up 11 buckets of money there was 30,400 pounds there we only we only needed 40,000 pounds for the project and in, and in one so I want to tell you that there can be a miraculous work of God that can work in your life and in, and in the call of God miraculously that's how you can see the call of God. Then a businessman met me. I was glad we finally found a businessman God was asking me to pray for. A businessman met me and said, I want to give you £5,000 today. That was £35,400. A man from an educational trust said, I've come to one talk this week and it was this one. I'm a, I'm a trustee of a, an educational trust that support educational projects in South Africa and in England. We want to give you £27,000 towards the building of your centre. An architect came on board and said, we want to build this centre. want to do the plans for free. We got given bricks for free. We got given a hot water, a solar panel hot water system that got Shipped uh, from the UK there totally for free. And continually God poured out and poured out and poured out. To cut a long story short, two mo- and I'll show you the video. Two months later, a man, uh, I felt the conviction of God. I read Ecclesiastes 5.4. Ecclesiastes 5.4 says this. If you make a vow before God, be good to fulfill your vow. What vow had I made to God? What vow had I made? I told him I'd give him all my savings. But I didn't because we already had all the money we thought we needed. God said to me, it's not how it works, Steve. You made a vow, made a vow. So without anybody knowing in the world, apart from my friend in South Africa, we moved all of our savings on a Wednesday night and we gave all of our money away to the project exactly how we'd promised. We smiled because of what God was doing with the call on our lives. We felt alive. I'm telling you, we felt alive. And then on the Saturday morning, a man emailed me totally out of the blue. said, I'm a businessman. God spoke to me when you were speaking. Doesn't know what I've done on the Wednesday at all. I don't even know who this person is. I couldn't even pick him out. He could be in this room. I couldn't even tell you who they were says, I'd love you to send me your bank account details. God spoke to me and said, when that man gives away his money, you're to repay him back everything he gives away. The next week, he repays half of our life saving back into our bank account. Now, that is really weird. We then testify in church that that what had happened uh, uh, and what God had done. We testify in church. And then without him even having to give us the second half of what he'd said he would, people started to give us money. And all of our money was restored to the absolute penny. We gave all of our money away again and said, right, we'll move and we'll follow the plan of God to South Africa. However, learn the principles in between. God was doing something amazing in 2013. We didn't land in South Africa until 2015, January 2015. I want you to know what happened in that middle period. In that transition period, we prepared for the call that God had clearly laid on our hearts. We spoke with our leaders. I visited South Africa three times to go and scout the land. I visited to go and learn what I was going to be a part of. I visited to get my kids in nursery. I visited to understand um, what God would would want uh, us to be a part of. I visited to build relationship with the local church that we were going to join. I stayed because I wanted the ministry that we were already a part of to continue and flourish. So I helped to mentor another leader underneath me, take on the role that I had been doing. Do not despise the days of preparation for your call. Do not despise the days of preparation from, for your call. I don't regret any of those days. I don't wish I'd got out there quicker. I don't wish I hadn't honoured the people that I left. I don't wish I hadn't got to love the people that I was to be received by. And understand my context. I went from church family to church family. Some of you will go to pioneer in new situations. I understand that. And we can talk about that. But generally, in the age that you're going to be testing your call now, I encourage you, go from family to family. Be sent by churches and be received by churches. Be honest in your call and allow your leaders to discern the call of God over your life. And prepare, prepare, prepare prepare in prayer, prepare in reading, prepare practically, prepare in all of the the ways that you can for what God is calling you into. We had a logical place to go. We tested the call. We weighed up the prophetic voices that were speaking into our life. We tested the season of life we were in. It made sense. It seemed good in the Lord to those who we trusted and were around us. We heard the inaudible voice of God. We reached out to scriptures where we knew what we were getting involved in must be the call of God. Because God loves the poor and continually sends his church to serve the poor. We heard a variety uh, of prophetic voices speak into our lives and we saw the miraculous come upon us. We saw the miraculous provision of God uh, to excite us in what we did. All of that is great. All of what God did to restore us was fantastic. But you know the gift he gave to my wife and I? Immediately after that conference, my wife fell pregnant again and and we gave birth to a little girl the next year. He restored to us everything that he'd asked of us. He, I mean, you can... <laughs> it's, a, it's an applause. For the, I know, and, and I want to be sensitive to this. I know that's not everybody's story. I know that's not everybody's story, that everything is restored in such a way. And I still acutely feel the pain of loss. But I think God in his generousness and his kindness towards us restored even that that was most painful for us that we had lost in that season. Can you? The money was secondary. I don't own a three-bedroom house in Chafford 100. It'd be way more boring than this. But I now own a story in God that we're walking in and that we're trying to walk out. I, I, want, I, want, to, I want to root it in the ordinary for you. I want to root it in the ordinary for you. Not ev- not, I don't want my story to disqualify your story. I don't want you to feel as as it has to be dramatic, otherwise it's not God. It has to be dramatic, otherwise it's not God. My wife has had dreams just led us to, to go to, to pioneer some youth work. Wasn't big headline, wasn't asked to speak on a stage about it. We've had, dream, we've had uh, 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 gut feelings to run certain courses, and they brought freedom to individuals. We've had gut feeling to study for three, four years. I went to Bible college for four years. That, I can tell you, was not dramatic, but it was essential. There are teachers that serve in our center, and I get to come and share these stories. But they have been equally called by God, and they are transforming young people's lives. Do you know from the education, we, we, we serve young people four nights a week and, one, and on the weekend. Uh, we've got 105 young people now in our education center. The last three years, the, past, the exam rate for final year exams from our center has been 100%, 97%, and 93%. In an area where 30% of kids are meant, to, are meant to pass this final exam. We've been released to do an ed, a, a, a skills training project, which New Day blessed. New Day bought us a barista, training, uh, barista machine, bought us a baking oven. We were then given a baking business, and we employ four bakers, and we train unemployed young people to be baristas and bakers. We partner with the government in it. In, in but I tell you what, my life does not exist on that cloud most times. Those days of 2013 2014 were glorious but there have been boring mundane days achieving the purposes of God since then. There has been a group of people called to be miraculously ordinary with their everyday lives. Don't allow my allow my story to build faith in yours in you for your story but don't let it don't let it um, exclude what your story can be. The heroes of the gospel. Do you know there are disciples written in the list of people that followed Jesus and we know nothing about them? Tell me what Taddeus did. His mates wrote some of the books in the New Testament. Can you imagine? You were one of the 12 disciples. Your mates wrote the Bible and they didn't even put one story in about you. Hello? Hello? You know we were together, right? You know there was 12 of us. The one who's called Judas and is not Judas. Stuffed. Stuffed. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Don't, don't allow that story to, 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 to take, take it for what it is, which is faith that God can call in a variety of ways and God can do a variety of things across the earth with you and through you and in you. And I'm going to close and, and Livy's going to speak. I'm just going to show you a video. Um, the video goes... This video was shot on the first day we opened the, edu- on the center and it shows the faces of our first students. It's just a very special um, video for us. It shows the moment where money got put down and, and we just try and do some thank you. So I want to just to root it for you before we move on to handling the prophetic. The person speaking is who pioneered the project with his wife and the place they received their call to go to Africa was in the back of the blue tent at New Day. I want you to know that the place they heard the call to go and be rebuilders of streets uh, with dwellings was in the back of the Blue Tent Anude. This is a story actually that began here. So I just want to show you where it ends up.
1: I believe with my whole heart that this morning, this day, this moment, this time is your God-appointed time
0: God moved and miraculously Poured out provision for this project Our heart has always been to create a space where young people can come and it's a safe environment where they can feel loved, where they can feel accepted and where they can actually sit down and do some homework, where they have tutors that support them, that encourage them, that are role models.
1: everybody knew one for all that you gave to see local churches really changing nations.
0: are glad to be able to report back and faithfully show you what's been built. So thank you for partnering with us. Just continue to join us on the story as it unfolds.
1: Amen. It's good, isn't it? Stirred? Are you stirred? Wow. That's your stirred version. What's your non-stirred version? So I'm going to, in about seven or eight minutes, I'm going to try and kill something and bring something to life. <clears throat> this is what I'm going to kill, right? I'm going to kill the idea that in the next 25 minutes, God's going to map out the whole of your life for you. Okay. I'm going to kill that idea because it is thoroughly unbiblical. I totally believe that God uses prophetic words to help us understand our destiny, our calling and his plans. Okay. But I totally don't believe that that happens in one encounter. So if you've come, which obviously many of you have, here this morning thinking, this is it. I'm going to hear God. Everything's going to make sense. I'm going to know where I'm going, what I'm doing, what I'm about. I'm going to know what to live for. I want to just say to you, no, you're not. Because that's not how God speaks to us. And that's not how God walks with us. So I want to kill the idea that a prophetic word is going to map out everything for you. And I want to also kill the idea that someone who else is going to hear God's will for your life rather than you okay I want to I want to kill the idea that prophetic ministry is about another sheep listening to the shepherd on your behalf and then going meh in your ear and enabling you to go oh I get it now okay the Bible says we all hear God I want you to say right now out loud I can hear God I can hear God tell me his will for my life Do you believe that? Do you believe that? That's a, that um, that's a real question. I like asking pointed, sharp end, uncomfortable questions. Stephen's, Steve's been on the receiving end of a few of them. Do you believe that you can hear God speaking to you about your life? Because if you do, that's great. And then you don't, you, you've already killed That myth. So then this is what I want to bring to life. I want to bring to life that God is going to use prophetic ministry and prophetic words and pictures and things that you'll hear through people's voices, through your own walk with God, through the scriptures, through things that he'll speak to you about in creation, in films, in books and other people's life stories and passions that you're already living with and desires and dreams and all those things to speak to you in order that you will walk into the destiny that is particularly relevant for you. I want want us to understand that God's, God's purpose for us is that we walk in the good works that he prepared in advance for us. Okay, Ephesians 2 says that. It says, in advance of your life, God has prepared good works for you to walk into. Yours are not the same as mine. Mine are not the same as Steve's. And God wants you to know yours. And he wants you to walk into them. And so sometimes what he'll do is enable you to hear through another person, what, what some of those works look like. Sometimes he'll speak it to you through circumstances. Sometimes he'll speak it to you through almost like what would might feel like the natural, the obvious. You know, I was talking to him the other day and she was saying, all my life I've known that I've wanted to teach people. From when I was a little kid, I've played schools and I used to teach my brothers and sisters what I knew because I was a bit older than them. All through my teenage years, I wanted to be involved in the children's ministry in church. When I I went to university, I trained to be a teacher. And you're like, is that God or is that just life? No, that's God in the circumstances of her life, in the way that she's been made, in in her temperament, her personality, her desires, her wishes, her dreams – but also she needed at times to hear God say, I've raised you up to be a teacher. I've called you to impact the world of education. I'm releasing in you promises that are for particular things in teaching. So there's, I want to bring to life the idea that there's a partnership between the natural and the supernatural when it comes to discerning the call of God and knowing how to follow him for the, for the works he's prepared in advance for us. The other thing I want you to understand is that your story is God's story. It's not your story. I love, I love the kind of emphasis on us hearing God for ourselves. But I feel like if, if what you hear in prophetic ministry, if what you hear when someone says, what's your call, leaves you feeling like it's about me and what I'm going to do and what, and what my part to play is. If that's like the taste in your mouth at the end of it, something's gone wrong. Your story is part of his story. You play your part in his story. And his story is bigger, longer lasting, and more dramatic and glorious than the part you play in it. So though I'm on the one hand I'm saying, hey, God's got good works for you to do that are specific to you. Maybe there's a, there's a, a nation, maybe there's a city, maybe there's a ministry area, maybe there's a people group. And God is going to speak to you in the next, now and also from here on. Maybe he already is speaking to you and you're thinking, oh, I think that's a part of my story. I think, I think, you know, I, I carry a sense of call to the city of London and often when we pray about London, I'm like, oh, I just know my life's meant to be about London. But I'd be such a fool if I thought that that was the story. The story is history. It's his story across the nations. Like compared to the whole of the world, London's mini- miniature is diddy. The population of London is tiny and the bit of London that I live in even smaller and the bit of the bit that I live in the, that I actually influence and touch even smaller again. You've got to know that his story is bigger than your story. Your story is in it, but it's not the sum total. And so the prophetic should leave you. The taste in your mouth when you've received prophecy should be the glory of God's plan. I don't want anyone to walk away from a a time of hearing God or or someone praying for them and feel like, I am so enlarged by this experience. What, What we want is to walk away saying, God is so big and I'm a part of it. And to not deny the part we have to play. And to not play it down in an attempt to be kind of humble. Like, oh, it's nothing really to do with me, Lord. It's a lot to do with you. Like the Sozo Foundation is a lot to do with what Steve and Diana do. But it's God. It's God working through them. And it's bigger than them. Which is why one day they'll be able to walk away from it. And it will carry on. Because it's God, not them. And, uh, and, and that is just so important for us to start there. Okay, so you're all looking at me a bit blank, but I'm assuming that this is going in. You're thinking, yes, this is really helpful of you. Thank you. The other thing I want to do is I want to explain a little bit about how prophetic ministry can free you and how it can paralyze you. So prophetic ministry, as far as I understand it, should propel you into obedience and faith. Okay, it should propel you. It should create motion in your life. Someone says to you, I, you know, I see this about your future or I see God saying this to you or someone shows you a picture or someone lays hands on you. And just what they pray for you, you feel like, oh, God's speaking to me. That would propel you into action, into faith, into obedience. Now, the action might be prayer. The action might be go talk about it with someone, like Steve shared. The action might be weigh it, like look at what's been said. How does that fit with you? The action might be test it. You know, someone pro- pro- prophesied over you and said, you know, I see you, you know, in a particular people group. And you think, oh, okay, start finding out about that people group. Start praying for them. Get some details, get some facts, find out what ministries are already there. Talk to your leaders about it. That might be the action. The action will almost definitely involve waiting because it's very unusual for God to speak and for things to happen quickly in terms of major life moves or big decisions. Most people who stand up and testify about the way they're following the call of God will be able to tell you chapters of the story. It doesn't, it doesn't all get done in 20 minutes. It's, a, it's actually a walk that takes all of your life but also it will, it, will, so it will propel you into action, it will propel you into waiting, it will propel you into praying, what it shouldn't do is paralyze you. If you've received someone someone's prophetic word over you, or if you've felt stirred about something, and, it's, and the end result in your life, the fruit that it's bearing is paralysis, then it's not healthy prophecy. If you feel like, I can't do anything now because I'm stuck, I don't know what to do. Or if you feel like, the way that someone has spoken to you or what you've received has left you with the tiniest door that you've got to find and walk through and you've got to therefore disregard everything else then you're paralyzed by that prophetic word rather than being propelled by it. So let me give you an example of that. You know when I was a teenager I felt God very clearly speak to me about being involved in reaching nations and I thought that meant I was going to live overseas. So I kind of prepared myself through my teens like I'm, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to be single um, and I wasn't really happy about that, so I kept going out with people. But you know, um, I'm pretty sure that one day I'm going to be single, and I'm, I'm probably going to live in another country, and it's probably going to be a third world country, and I'm going to be amongst people who are poor because I'm really motivated about social justice, and I've got a deep heart of compassion for those who are broken. And so, I'm assuming it's going to be there. And I've been to India twice with my family, so maybe it'll be India, or maybe it'll be Africa. But Africa never really rang a bell, but India did. So I would read stories about missionaries in India, and I'd pray about India, and, but I didn't feel called to India. But I was kind of exploring the idea of what it was, you know, where it was going to go, and and to the point where I thought, you know. Maybe actually I need to just go to India again as a Christian and see what's going on there. Or, you know, and I was kind of, there was action going on. But then I met this guy who felt really clearly called to England. And I, and I was like, oh, by the way, it's Stu, in case you're all thinking who. Um, and, and I was like, I'm a bit paralyzed now. Because I basically want to hook up with him and do life with this guy. And I think God's called us together. And I think that what he's about, I want to be about. But what about India. And, and I'm a bit stuck, and I don't know what I can do about that. And also, what about nations, generally? Because I'm like Mrs. Multicultural. I want to travel everywhere. And he's like, I love, like, England. I love, like, boring English food. Like, I don't eat anything bizarre. I don't know what an aubergine is. I've n- you know, I've got no idea what chili tastes like. I mean, you know, he's, like, properly British. Can't even speak English properly, let alone learn another language. You know, and I'm like, I want to travel around the world. And who wants to live in England when you could live in, like, Timbuktu. And I was a bit paralyzed by this sort of prophetic ministry about you're going to go to nations. And one of the most helpful things is when someone said to me, did God say that you were going to go to a particular nation? That you, would you have to disobey God if you hooked up with this guy? If you got married and stayed in the UK, would you be disobeying God? And I was like, "Ah, uh, not really, no. And then they're like, well, then what's the problem? Because there's nations all over England who've come here that you can reach. And there's poverty all across England that you can reach. And there's need and there's darkness. And actually, one of the things you most wanted to do in other nations was to care for the broken and plant churches. And I'm pretty sure that that's the two things that this guy's saying he wants to do with his life. But can you see how that prophetic word had somehow paralyzed me and prevented me from being able to be propelled into action? And fortunately for me, and so the story as you know goes on, obviously I laid down the kind of idea that I was going to end up being a missionary in India and married Stu and we're planting churches and reaching the poor. So there you go, tick, God's will is being done. But the point is sometimes we can get prophetic revelation or we can have a word over us and for years we carry it and it becomes more than it actually originally was. Or we interpret it in such a way that it now it's now like a blueprint for life and then we feel like I can't do that, I can't do that, I can't do that, I've got to just do that. And sometimes, actually, in order to do the thing God's calling you to do, it involves doing some other stuff as well in order to get you to where you're going to end up. And so you heard in Steve's story that Steve and Diana were serving God in, in Essex, on the edge of East London, in a youth ministry, caring for vulnerable young people in, in English schools. And that was, part, that was them obediently following the call of God in their lives. And then God started to speak another chapter of it. And I believe, in fact, Steve, I believe God is speaking to me today for you, so I'll pray for you over the end. But I believe there's another chapter coming for them that is beyond what they're in now. God doesn't have just like one destiny for you, one destination, if you know what I mean, one, one thing, one place, one ministry, one output. God actually wants us to walk with him, and he's allowed to tell us new things for new chapters. And actually, right now, I feel like there are people here who are living with the idea that there's one thing and you're nervous, you're going to miss it. You feel like this is it, God spoke to you when I was seven, when I was 11, when I was 13, at New Day two years ago, or it's always been said over me and it's this one thing. And right now God just wants to break the power of the narrowness of that over you, where you feel like I have to do this one thing, otherwise I'll be disobedient to God. And he's saying, no, that one thing is part of something, but it's much bigger. And so he wants to open our eyes much bigger. So uh, when you receive any kind of prophetic word from someone who prays for you or from someone who comes into your church, into your youth group, or from, you know, when you, when you read something and you feel God speaks to you, we need to weigh it. We need to talk about other people. We need to measure it against what scripture says. We need to work it out based on the circumstances of our lives. And we need to keep it as part of the big picture. And every now and again, it's worth just asking the question, is this promise propelling me or is it paralyzing me? I've made it easy for you because they both start with P. Does the promise propel me or is it paralyzing me? And if it's paralyzing you, then we need to help you get out from underneath that because that's not the purpose of God in the prophetic. Is that helpful? Okay. We've got about 15 minutes to spend some time praying together, but this is what I want us to do because I know that there can be a temptation to think, oh, I hope, I hope, I hope I get picked. I hope it's me, I hope it's me. I honestly believe God wants to speak to you right now about things He's calling you to, and He doesn't need me or Steve to say anything. I honestly believe that. I'm not just saying that to be pragmatic about the time or the number of people in the room. I just think the principle is God wants to speak to you. And so we're going to spend three or four minutes in total silence. And I recommend two things. If you're a writing kind of a person or a drawing kind of a person, I recommend getting out pen and paper. And I, and I recommend that you ask, only if this is your kind of natural mode of how you operate in your thought life. Don't do this if this isn't natural to you. Ask God to speak to you about people, places, Passions, situations, and your own—by passions, I mean what you're passionate about—and your own current circumstances. And then start writing down things that come into your mind. You might doodle it, you might write words, you might—and some of it you'd be like, "Why on earth did I write that?" Just do it and see what comes. See what see what's there. If you're not kind of a righty-drawy kind of a person, and you're more like a thinky person, picture person, close your eyes, get your head down so you're not distracted and ask God to give you pictures and images in your mind. If you're like a if you're like a song kind of a person and, and the way that you often hear God is that you kind of get lyrics of songs or you have like a tune or a melody, then ask God to to drop that into your mind to start showing you things. If you're if you've got passions in you and you you there are things you just love praying for. And when you pray for a certain people group, you just feel like for me vulnerable children, like if you if you just kind of like talk about vulnerable children with me, I'm just there like a shot because God has placed vulnerable children on my heart and that's how he often will speak to me about the things that are already in me and there's things already in you that God wants to speak to you about. And for some of you actually, this is some of you saying, I haven't got a clue what you're saying. I'm going to spend three or four minutes and I haven't got a clue. And actually even in that, God is saying something, which is your Bible is what I've already said. Get on with that. Get on with reading it, walking it, learning it, doing it. I am going to speak to you. I am going to lead you. And my voice is in there as well as in these three or four minutes of quiet. So we're going to just spend a couple, we're going to do that. We're just going to close our eyes and, and I just believe God is going to speak right now. So let's just have some time to do that. And don't worry if while we're doing this you start groaning or crying or yearning. Sometimes the Holy Spirit comes upon us in such a way that just you know we feel a bit like oh this is a little bit embarrassing but actually I believe some of you will do that maybe now or maybe later but you'll just start to feel like oh god about particular things and he'll be speaking in that groaning and in that yearning and in that longing father we we totally trust that you are the shepherd and that we are the sheep and we can hear your voice we really do know that you have control of the story god And we know that there's a massive part for each one of us to play in it. But the story is so much bigger than us. I thank you so much for the places that you're going to drop into people's minds in the next few minutes. I thank you so much for the people groups. I thank you so much for the pictures you're going to give. For the words that are going to be spoken. I thank you for the doodles that are going to be drawn. I thank you, God, you're showing us what you're doing across the earth. I thank you that you care about our neighborhood where we live now. And you care about nations. And I just pray, let your voice be so present and active in this time now. Call us, God. Call us after you, Father.
0: And um, for some of you, you're just going to want to carry on. You're, you're, you're hearing from God, and, and that's great. We want you to carry on. Don't stop now because I'm speaking. Just keep writing and drawing and thinking. And um, for some of you, you might want someone to pray with you. Um and what I'm going to encourage you to do is I'm going to encourage you, if you want s- somebody to pray with you, to stand. Um, just if you'll find it, we really trust in God to speak to you, okay? So I'm not, we really trust in God to speak directly to you. But if, you, if you'd if you like someone to pray for you, we're not going to come out and pray for all of you. As we said, I really agree with Livy. I don't think you need us to come and lay hands on you. But but I'd encourage your friends to pray for you. So if you've come with someone and they stand up, I encourage you to gather around that person and, and or one of you just go and and, uh, and pray for them. Sometimes you have to sacrifice a bit of your time to pray for others. I get that. So if you if you're just really feeling that sense of I'd love someone to pray for me, just to either affirm a call in me or or just to, if they have got anything to prophesy, over me, would you just stand quietly? Doesn't have to be. I'm really happy that it won't be a lot of people. Yeah. Now that's great. Great. Okay. Now, if if you are if you are standing with someone, who if if you are with somebody who is standing, would you just stand next to them and begin to pray for them for me, please? Let's start to pray for another. That's it. Just one person or two of you grab around them. Let's make sure everyone's got a hand appropriately laid on them on the shoulder. Just make sure everybody's appropriately got somebody just praying for them. Brilliant. Now pray out loud for them. Pray for them so they know what you're praying over them. If you're the person being prayed for, don't be scared to say what you, were, what you stood up for. If you get a word for them or a picture that comes into your head, share what you've got in your head. Ask God to help you with it. Go for it. Go and pray for them now. Pray for them. Encourage them. Pray out loud for them. Pray out loud for them. Encourage them. The rest of you, stay asking God for you. You're hearing for you. Ask God for you. The rest of you, carry on. You're drawing. You're waiting on God for you. You won't get other time at New Day just to sit and wait wait on him. If there's anybody who hasn't been prayed for and wants to, just raise your hand and we'll get someone. Could a friend, can you go to those hands? Even if you don't know them, could you go to those hands? If people are here, keep your hand up until someone comes to you. People that are around them, could you go to those hands? Great. Thank you. Cool. If you're around somebody with their hand up, go to them. Go and pray for them. Trust yourself to pray for them. Even if it's someone you don't know, trust yourself to go and pray for them. Okay, I uh, sense that what God would want to have taught you through this morning. Some of you that are sitting, some of you that are waiting. I I want you to know this, that we could probably sit here for another half an hour. And that is God showing you that muscle that you can flex while you're doing this. That muscle of prayer, that muscle of waiting, that muscle of listening. I really want to emphasize to you again The beginning of our story starts radically on our own in prayer, flexing this muscle of speaking to God and getting close to his heart. Some of you have heard God's heart starts and it begins and it ends with God and his purposes across the world. We need to get over ourselves and and just get alongside what God is doing and get with what he's doing. For some of you, you, you need to go. It's the end of this seminar. Um, just respect that others are still waiting if you do need to leave there's about three exits two doors here and one on that side if you do need to leave I understand that we understand that and you're excused to go and to leave if you want to carry on waiting on God you can do so you can do so and you've got the rest of the day here at New Day also to do so but thank you for being here and enjoy the rest of New Day if you need to leave